Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. What's Wagner's rule of life number four? <laughs> Nothing good happens outside a strip club at 2 o'clock in the morning. I'm sorry, I understand I might be like a dog with a bone on this, but this is just fundamentally wrong. It is an insult, but let's tee this up. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 414-799-1620. I'm sorry, I think this is absolutely ridiculous. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. So, Eric Bilstad, married couples that have a dog, you know what the, the principal subject and topic of conversation with them is? Who's picking up the poop? Well, or did the dog poop? Yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. I mean, it, it, that's it. I'll, I'll call Fran. It's like, <clears throat> oh, did Sasha poop? Yeah, or, or yeah. And, and the reason, and like, for example, so today, I, I took I took her out. I took the dog out for a relatively good-sized walk before I left for work. Mm-hmm. And I, I think she wanted to poop. She just couldn't get around to doing it. You know, she got distracted by all sorts of things. So before I left, I said, no, she just didn't go. You know, and Fran said, no problem. Before I leave the house, run some errands, I'll, I'll, I'll make sure to take her out. So that's great. So about 10 minutes before the show is supposed to start, she she sends me a, a message, and there is a photo Uh-oh. of the dog pooping. Okay, all right. So I mean, it, it's the photo of the dog pooping. Okay, which is great. I'm you know, and so my response was, great. Now we've got the family Christmas card picture. There you go. Right. There you and, go. and so then she sends me back these like things like laughing faces and stuff. And then a couple minutes later, it goes off again. She says. You were kidding, weren't you? <laughs> and I'm thinking, I don't know about that. It's, it's an idea. Of, it, it, it's, it's just an idea, you know? Merry Christmas and happy holidays from the Wagners. You know, Jeff, Fran, and Sasha, you know. And <laughs> may you have a relaxing and relieving yes. holiday season yeah, or something nice. like that. Yeah, I'm, nice. I'm, I'm thinking of regular. <laughs> right. I'm, yeah, this, I'm thinking about that. I mean, it's probably, you know, I, I don't know. And maybe we could, like, superimpose the two of us wearing, you know, Santa hats or something. I don't know. I, I'm thinking. Thinking about that, she's like, it was kind of funny. She says, "You, you were kidding about that. Huh? You never know." Okay, one more thing before you leave. Okay. You were here. Remember? Now, I, I'm a Marquette Law School graduate, and huge fan of the Marquette basketball team. In the mid 1990s, in a move that was. Well, one of these politically correct things that a lot of us older alumni still can't get over, the president of Marquette, very, very left-wing Jesuit priest, decided they could no longer be the Warriors. You right. remember all yep. that? Because they had a they had a mascot, a Willy Wampum mascot. And, and, and I, I get it that, that the time had passed for that, that mascot. But I always argue that that doesn't mean that you can't be the Warriors. I mean, it's the Golden State Warriors, for mm-hmm. instance. You know, but but again, the forces, the powers that be at Marquette decided, no, 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 we we can't have that. And that still, I think, burns a lot of alumni to this day. So back in the mid nineteen nineties, they they changed and they adopted. They became the Golden Eagles. Which okay, so they went. Then what happened is because a lot of people thought that Golden nickname, Eagles nickname was lame. What happened was in 2005, remember they, they had this, this committee and they brought oh, in yeah. all these fancy, these, these fancy and high powered public relations people and marketing mm-hmm. people mm-hmm. and they decided, okay, let's change the name of Golden Eagles and, and let's come up with something different. And do you remember what they came up with in yes. May of 2005? I was at that news conference, the Marquette Gold. The Marquette Gold. Right. All right. So, so that was it. And I think it would be fair to say that the Marquette Gold just kind of laid an egg. You know, everybody said, 
what? You know, and and I mean, if their if their object was to make the Golden Eagles a lame nickname sound good, they they did it. Everybody and and they had some high powered public relations people and some marketing that, people yeah. that came up with this. So so they out they laid out the name Gold, and that lasted about three weeks because that was one where you, you did not appease all the alumni like myself who thought it should have been Warriors. You didn't appease the people, the more recent alumni who'd been, you know, used to the Golden Eagles. Or the students. Right, or the students, and into general community, because gold was a terrible nickname. So that, I, I think, goes down as one of one of the biggest public relations, you know, nightmares, making choices and coming up with names since, since maybe New Coke, since they rolled out New Coke, okay? <laughs> up until today, up until today... My favorite story of the day. All right, Heinz Ketchup. Maybe you've been seeing these stories, but Heinz Ketchup has been coming out with a new line of products where they they mix like ketchup and barbecue sauce. And what they've been doing is they came out with a new product where they mix mayonnaise, Heinz mayonnaise, and ketchup. And this is a true story. And so, so, cause some people, you know, you don't need to buy mayonnaise and ketchup. They mix it. That does not sound appealing to me. I like ketchup. I like mayonnaise. I'm not sure I like them together. Oh, secret stadium sauce type well, of stuff. Well, yeah. So, okay. So they're, they're rolling, they're rolling this out and they spend millions of dollars on, on this rollout. Okay. So what's the first thing you got to figure out when you're mixing your, you got a new product, you've got your mayonnaise and ketchup. First thing you got to figure out, right, is what you're going to call it. Okay. <laughs> So they do this huge study, print up all this stuff, spend you know hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars, to roll out their new condiment. And the new condiment is called Mayo Chop, M-A-Y-O-C-H-U-P. And I guess it's like mayonnaise and ketchup. Hopefully they didn't spend too much money to come out with, with Mayo Chop. <laughs> but that's, that's not where I'm going with the story. <clears throat> Okay, so they roll out mayo chop, right? That that's the thing. Mm-hmm. Well, in Canada, there is a they, they call them First Nation. It, it would be like the equivalent of a of, of an American Indian tribe. Okay, okay, here. So, and, and it's a large tribe of First Nation. I mean, and like two hundred thousand people. They belong to the Cree tribe. Okay, Cree. All right. Well, <laughs> mayo chop in Cree means excrement face. Uh, okay. <laughs> yes, it means excrement face. You know? and, and so they do all this study. They spend all this money. They've now rolled out this new product that at least, you know, and, and, and see a lot of Canadians are just <laughs> laughing about it because it means excrement face. And they're thinking, huh. You thought of so for everybody, you know, who was on that panel that came up with the Marquette Gold, all right, well, okay, now you don't have to be as embarrassed because at least you didn't come up with a product. You didn't name the team Excrement Face. Can't make this stuff up. All right, when we come back, do you want to bet on the Packers and Bears? Well, you're going to have a chance to do it pretty soon, and you're not going to have to go to Vegas. Stick around. Back for more, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. So very glad to have you with us. Hey, if you want, follow me, Twitter. It's at Jeff Wagner 620 A couple different postings. Uh, My thoughts on the Brewers' decision by the general manager to send down the hot-hitting second baseman in return for bringing Travis Shaw up. Uh, Shorthand, um, I think this is the worst deal since they made the decision last year to trade for Jonathan Scope. 
My suggestion, I understand. I mean, the problem is Jesus Aguiar hasn't hit for a year, but they don't want to cut him, and they can't send him to the minors. Travis Shaw can't hit this year, and they don't want to send him to the minors. So my response would be, why don't you take one of the pitchers that's at the very end of the bench, send them down for a week or two, go with one fewer pitcher at least for a while, and then see if either Aguiar or Shaw can get themselves straightened out. And if they can't, you know, maybe you make the decision there. But when you're not hitting very well as a team, it's hard to believe that you would send one of your two or three best hitters down. But that's just me. Hey, and in addition, um, uh, a link, just a kind of a special thank you. Every every year, Talkers Magazine, which is kind of like variety in our industry, comes out with their uh, what they call their heavy hundred. And just uh, got a link to that, a special thank you. I was on the list this year, so I appreciate that very much. And a lot of kind words from a number of people who are aware of that. All right, here is the deal. If you are a betting man, and actually I am a, a betting man, you will now have an opportunity to place sports bets. Illinois, um, which is in a huge, 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 huge financial hole, as an effort to try to dig out of that hole, they did a number of things in the legislative session that just ended the other day. They, they passed massive cigarette tax increases, massive gas tax increases. They legalized recreational use of marijuana and then imposed a tax on that. And they have now legalized sports betting in Illinois. So once this law goes into effect, what will happen is you will, and what they're going to do is they're going to set up, for example, they're going to set up slot machines at O'Hare and Midway Airport. They're going to set up slot machines at some of the various horse tracks that are in Illinois. They're going to add casinos in Waukegan and Rockford. They're going to add a mega casino in Chicago, and they are legalizing sports betting. So it's still a little bit unclear about where exactly the you're going to be able to go to bet on, let's say, if you want to bet on the Packers and Bears, because what happens is people are going to have to apply for a license, but casinos and racetracks are going to be eligible for a sports betting license. There may be other places as well. So you want to bet on the Cubs, you want to bet on the Brewers, you will be able to do it. Illinois says we think this is going to be a revenue stream and we think that this is going to be an opportunity to help put money in our coffers. Our number, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. The Supreme Court of the United States has cleared the way for this. Now that Illinois has decided to do this, should Wisconsin get on board? 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And my answer, and I'm willing to acknowledge that maybe some of you are going to disagree with me, but my answer is yes. And here's why. The genie is out of the bottle when it comes to gambling. Right. We could. And years and years ago, we had this debate about whether gambling is good or not. Right. But but that that debate is, is, is over now. Now you have the lottery. You can walk into pretty much any gas station convenience store that you want. You can buy as many lottery tickets as you want. You can drive to the Potawatomi Casino. You can drive to the Oneida Casino. You can drive to Ho-Chunk. You can drive to countless other smaller casinos. And you can play poker and you can play slot machines till your hearts and, and you can play um, blackjack to your heart's content. 
All right, you have now race books. You can go to Potawatomi. You can place bets on the horses. Belmont Stakes is coming up on Saturday. You want to go down and bet that? No problem at all. And I guess given the fact that the genie is out of the bottle, and now that you have Illinois, a state immediately to our south that's getting into gambling big time, and they're going to have all these different sports and race books, I think it's past time for Wisconsin to say, all right, let's get on board as well. 414-799-1620, that's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Like I say, you know, reasonable people can disagree about whether expanded gaming is good or not. But the genie is out of the bottle, at least in my opinion. And now that you don't have to go to Las Vegas to bet on the evening Brewers game, now that all you're going to have to do is drive down presumably to Waukegan, why not not allow places in Wisconsin to do this as well? 414-799-1620. Let's start with Jeff in Wauwatosa. Jeff, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Jeff, how are you today? I'm well, thank you, sir. What do you think? Um, well, thanks for the opportunity. Um, I couldn't agree with you more, except for one thing. Um, you know, the gaming, the legalization and that stuff has sort of happened 10 years ago. These have been opportunities that have been available to Wisconsin for the past 10 years, but the Republican administration has done nothing but stonewall it. Mm-hmm. No, I, I think it was a missed opportunity. Yep. These are... The opportunity, the revenue opportunities for the legalization of marijuana, we're talking hundreds of millions of dollars that you have totally opposed. Well, I'm not, a fa- I'm not in favor of the legalization of marijuana, but we're talking about gambling now, and I agree with you. I mean, I, I, I agree with you. I think this has been a, mix, a missed opportunity. Now, in fairness, on the question of legalized gambling, let's understand, there was a federal law which prohibited states other than Nevada and maybe one other. I forget off the top of my head. There was a federal law which prohibited states from adopting uh, legalized gambling in the sense of, of sports betting, Okay, because that's what we're talking about now. That law was challenged by New Jersey, and about a year and a half ago, the U.S. Supreme Court tossed out that law, said it was unconstitutional, and so that has now opened up the way for states to um, expand gaming. So, I, I mean, I understand you want to blame the Republican legislature and Scott Walker, but when it comes to sports betting, that was not an option up until relatively recently. I will concede, I don't get the sense that there's any real push in Madison to want to explore these type of opportunities. And again, I, I think it's a, it's, it's a mixed, it's a missed opportunity, especially given the fact that now you're going to be able to do it in Illinois. You're not going to have to jump on a plane and go to Atlantic City. You're not going to have to jump on a plane and fly to Las Vegas. All you're going to have to do is get in your car and drive to Waukegan and you, you know, you can, you can bet on whatever you want then. I would say we'd be much better off keeping that revenue in Wisconsin. And again, I understand that there's some folks who make, in certain cases, a compelling argument about do you really need more gambling? All right, and I get that argument, but that debate was over a number of years ago. So why allow Illinois to reap the benefits of this? Why don't we consider doing something like this in Wisconsin? And again, is is it a tax is this something that's going to generate a bunch of, of revenue? Well, okay, because let's face it, I mean, the casinos in Las Vegas 
the the sports books, I mean, they're, they're not built on losing money. All right, it, if you decide to do that, you got to recognize the odds of this probably aren't going to be in your favor. But regardless of that, at least that's a decision that you're making voluntarily. You're saying, you know, I want to, you know, I want to go and I, I want to play. All right, Jeff Wagner, twelve twenty-seven. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. So very glad to have you with us. Let's not bury the lead here. I don't understand what they were thinking in Plymouth, and I don't understand why they didn't come up with this right away. If you haven't been following the story, it was all over the TV news over the last couple days. Right, Plymouth High School. What happened is back in 1984, two Plymouth High School students, um, a, a brother and sister, died in a railroad crossing accident, got hit by a train. All right. In 1985, the class of 1985, as a memorial to the, these two kids, planted a tree in the front in front of Plymouth High School. And this is 1985, and they placed a boulder near it with a plaque reading "Class of 1985 in memory of Lisa and Brad Johnson." And that tree has been there since 1985, and it's grown. It's a big, it's a big tree now. And the boulder is there, and the, the plaque is there. All right, well, Plymouth High School has decided that they want to expand. All right, reasonable. And what they want to do is the area in the front where the tree is, as part of this overall expansion plan, they want to make that a parking lot, right? Now it's it's not it's not a new building, it's a parking lot. And so their original plan was, okay, well we're going to take down this tree that's been there, you know, this memorial tree in the rock to, to clear way for the parking lot. And obviously this upsets a lot of people in the community, right? That they're well this tree's been there, you I mean really you're going to take this down? I mean this is an insult, etc., etc., etc. And so there's all this angst and there's all this stuff going on on television or whatever. And the, you know, the, the father and mother, the kids who lost their lives, they're upset about this. Lots of people are upset about it in the community. Now, I'm listening to this controversy. And I, this is the first thing, and Gru is producing the show today and always, this is the first thing that comes to mind. I'm like, why is this a problem? Because it's not like the tree is, blo- is going to be blocking a new building. I mean, it's not like they're going to be building a new wing onto the the building and it's going to be going out in the front. So it, it's going to be classrooms or a gymnasium or something like that. It, it's not. And so the, the tree, you can't work around it. It's going to be a parking lot. And I'm sitting there thinking of all the parking lots that I can think of that have as part of the landscaping, have bushes or have trees in them. And I'm listening to this story, and I was watching the news on Channel 4 last night, and I'm screaming, just just landscape around it. I mean, it's, it's a parking lot. Leave the tree in, you know, put some planters or something, do a little bit of design. It's not going to cost you any money, any significant money at all. And then, you know, have the parking lot around it. It seems to me that that is the obvious answer to this. 
And I don't know why anybody in the school district did not think of it. Now, the update to that story today is the, you know, the, the pair, uh, the, the, you know, some of the people, the parents of the, the kids that, that passed away, you know, they apparently had a meeting with school officials. And my understanding is that school officials are going to say, said that they're going to most likely keep the memorial and they'll have a green space around the tree. Right. Green space around the tree. So it's still going to be a memorial. It's going to be a parking lot around it. But there'll be a little green space there. Our number, 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Look, I might have felt differently about this had had the had we been talking about, again, the location where a building is. The only spot we can expand to put in the new gym is, you know, in the front here, and this is where the parking, this is where the tree is, so we, we can't have it, you know, you can't build the the gym around the tree. But we're talking about a parking lot, 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. It seems to me that this is the obvious solution. You go ahead you build the parking lot, but you build it around the memorial, and you come up with a little bit of landscaping. How many times do you see landscaping in parking lots already? This is the easy solution, and you know what? It's the right thing to do. 414-799-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Don't you just build the parking lot around the tree, leave the memorial there, and everybody's happy, right? Seems to me everybody should be happy with this. Okay, here's some of the text. Jeff, and someday when the tree dies, they add more spots. Well, okay. I mean, I guess that's like that that's always the the thing. If it ever gets to the point where the tree dies and has to be taken down, well, yeah, then you then you take the boulder and you move that somewhere and you continue the more memorial somewhere else. But to me, I mean, I'm I think this is is just the the perfect perfect solution for how you deal with this 414-799-1620 that's the accurate mortgage talk and text line isn't this an appropriate resolution of this and isn't this easier than either not building the parking lot or alternatively tearing down the tree justin downtown justin you're on wtmj hi jeff i really like your idea it would sound practical but here's the realistic problem trees have a root system that are extend out just as far as the drip line from the branches. And mm-hmm. if that thing is a big mature tree, I don't see the picture of it. I'm just hearing. No, it's a, it's a it's 35 years old. It's a mature tree. Yeah. yeah. And if it's like say 35, 40, 50 feet in circumference, then literally you need to have that area completely clear with soil and everything. You can't put asphalt over it, so you'd have to have a monster like a box around it or something that would be so big that it would take up half the parking lot, and I don't know that that's going to work. And you know, Otherwise, the tree would be just destined to die. You can't just... Mm-hmm. You see trees in, like, parking lots and things where they're little, but believe it or not, when they get bigger, they don't survive because they're just boxed in too much. Well, I mean, I, I will... I mean, thanks for call, Justin. I mean, I'll, I'll defer to the horticulturist. I, I will say this. My, my former house in Whitefish Bay, we had a giant oak tree. And, and I'm talking about this. I'm talking about giant oak tree. This tree went back to probably like 1860s, and I mean it was it was on this strip of land, the strip of land between my driveway, which was on the left, and the neighbor's driveway, which was on which was on the mine was on the west, the neighbor's driveway was on the east, and that tree, you know, w- was thriving for the whole 30 plus years that I I, I lived there. 
and you you know I mean I guess you do have to be sensitive to kind of the root structure and all but like I say I had this giant oak tree that was doing just fine and you know the roots were underneath the the driveway now I do appreciate that you probably have to be sensitive to how you're going to approach that but still just as a practical matter th- this seems to me the way that you're going to to do it um, all right here's a text Jeff so they're going to be losing eight parking spots I don't think that would be a huge deal um yeah, I, I mean, yeah, let's see. Uh, here's another text. Uh, your last caller's wrong about the size of the area needed. Roots will work downward. It's done in parking lots all the time, which is, you know, again, why that's kind of my recollection. I mean, I, I know you go into some parking lots and, and there's trees that are in some of the parking lots. So I, I think it's it's just a great opportunity and it's a reasonable compromise. And my guess is, as long as you're building, as long as you're building the parking lot, anyways, how much money can it really be to come up with an idea to build some green space around this? Let's talk to Dave in Waukesha. Dave, you're on WTMJ. Hey, Jeff, how you doing? Real well, thank you. What do you think about this idea? Well, I mean, yeah, I, I, I think, um, you know, keeping it, you know, building around it. And the thing is, like I was telling your screener, I mean, you have to have certain percentages of green space anyway. So mm-hmm. if you have a large enough slot around it, that can be incorporated in the percentage that you need. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, re- I mean regardless. I mean, you're kind of killing two birds with one stone, so to speak. Well, well, right. yeah, right. And, and you, and again, look, I, I don't know. Some people are saying to me, well, you know, what's going to happen 20 years in the future? I, I don't know. But, I mean, for, for right now, this seems like the reasonable, easy sort of compromise that ends up making everybody happy. And, well, yeah. And, and again, if something happens with the tree 20 years from now, okay, well, then you deal with it then. But right now, you can have the tree, you can have the extra parking, and everybody goes home happy. And the whole thing is, you don't have to pave right up to the, you know, right up to the trunk of the tree. Right. I mean, <laughs> yeah. If you have a, you know, I mean, if you have a nice, you know, whatever, like let's say half acre, or I don't, I don't, I don't know, right. You know, the, the particulars as far as the, you know, the site, but uh, yeah, you know, I do know that you, you know, by regulatory, depending on you know the municipality and things like that, that you have to have a certain percentage amount of green space. Yeah, right. So why not use it there? Right. No, thanks for calling. And and again, I mean, I'm sure you have to be a little bit sensitive to, you know, roots, but I I, just my personal experience and that it's anecdotal. But I had a giant. I mean, I'm talking about a giant oak tree and we have, you know, asphalt driveway. I mean, actually, the neighbor's was concrete. Mine was asphalt on, on both sides, kind of encroaching on the tree. And the tree was just absolutely fine for the whole 30 years I lived in that neighborhood. And. I mean, because the roots, I mean, I, I assume the roots expanded. They went downward. My guess is they probably went, you know, under the driveway as well. But, yeah, you don't necessarily have to pave right up to it. Create a little bit of green space. Everybody is happy. Here's one of our final texts here on this. If a high school that teaches calculus cannot figure out a simple space problem like this, then their higher education situation is more tr- in more trouble than this scenario portrays. Well, in any event, I, as I was listening to the story, both when I was watching it last night and I was listening to it on the radio today, I'm saying, this is easy. It's a parking lot, for God's sake. Let the trees stay in the parking lot. Everybody's happy, and apparently the school is coming around to that way of thinking. See, we can reason together every once in a while. This is Jeff Wagner. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. So very glad to have you with us. All right, there were some developments yesterday in federal court which underscore a point that I've been making about these type of programs for a long time, and that is 
if I had to summarize it, it would be tip of the iceberg. There is a huge construction firm based out of Milwaukee, and it's called Sonag Construction. Um, this this contractor has been responsible for some of Milwaukee's largest construction projects, including Northwestern Mutual Life Insurance's downtown business uh, tower and the Fiserv Forum. Okay, so this is a big area contractor. The guy who runs it, it's his company, he's the owner, his name is Brian Ganos, and he's just um, pled guilty to federal fraud charges. So here's, here's what happens in a nutshell. All right, Ganos is Hispanic, and for a period of time, back in the 90s and the early 2000s, he qualified um, he qualified as a minority business owner, all right? And, and if you're a minority business owner, what that means is you could be eligible for federal preferences and set-asides and things like that. So, you know, it's really, it's designed to give, you know, the minority business owner a leg up, all right? One of the things that you always have to be careful on with this is a lot of times, or at least on occasions, this is a program that is exploited, and what ends up happening on occasion is, for example, you will have minority business owners who apply for this who really aren't minority business owners. What they might do is they might find some guy who's sort of the sham. He's going to be the cover, and like like you've got Jeff's construction company, and I want to get a bid on something, so I find out, I find some person who's going to qualify for minority set-aside they form the company, but I really do the work, you know. So that's that's the risk, and I think candidly that happens more than we we know. Well, in any event, so you have this guy who runs this big construction company. He loses eligibility for his minority set asides. He graduates from the program in two thousand three, and he's no longer eligible for set aside contracts, right? Well, according to the indictment that came down in this case, what he ended up doing with others was engaging in this this giant scheme whereby, again, he would do the work, but he would find other people and, you know, it would be other people's companies uh, that would qualify for the minority set-asides, but it would really be, you know, this Brian Ganos and his company, Sonag, they would do the work. Um, apparently, according to the indictment, it was a $200 million scheme to win federal contracts. So you're talking about all sorts of money that's involved here, and ultimately the regulators, you know, found out about it, and to the credit of the U.S. Attorney's Office, they have been very, very aggressive in in going after this particular case, alleging that, hey, with this guy, this was this huge fraud scam where they were really benefiting and they were taking advantage of this program and they wouldn't have otherwise been able to participate. So the, the story is that yesterday, um, apparently, you know, he entered a guilty plea in connection with this. They were charged in April. Ganos uh, pled guilty to two counts of a 24-count indictment with mail fraud and wire fraud. Each count carries a maximum penalty of 20 years in prison and a quarter of a million dollar fine. The government says that this fraud 
cost the government more than $250 million. Now, I think by what that mean, they mean by that is that that was how much business ended up getting steered to some of these quote-unquote minority companies through these set-aside contracts that would have ultimately gone somewhere else were, you know, if they knew that the set-aside contracts, you know, didn't qualify. Government says it's going to recommend six and a half years in prison for the man who did it. I don't know how much time he's going to get. I don't take a position on how much time he should get. But this underscores, again, that's why I say tip of the iceberg. I understand that these, like, minority set-aside programs are well-intentioned. Here, we want to encourage people who have been historically economically disadvantaged. We want to help them get a leg up and get their business started. It is also an area where I believe it is just rife, rife with fraud, because I think there's a lot more people out there that are scamming the system like this scam than we will ever find out about. So I fully, totally, and completely applaud the authorities identifying this and going after it because it works to the detriment of the legitimate minority-owned companies who, uh, again, they're they're not they're getting squeezed out of this program because you've got the bigger companies that are engaging in the fraud so it doesn't help the legitimate minority owned companies and secondly it's a scam on the taxpayers and what about the other companies who are bidding might even be able to do a better job but they can't get their foot in the door because they can't get past the minority set aside so this is a very very good development shame on this company for engaging in this type of practice and if it means that the company president has to do a couple years in jail, well, I guess there's worse things than that. When we come back, what's really the future of Bayshore? Stick around. This is Jeff Wagner. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. So, very glad to have you with us. As longtime listeners know, I... I grew up in Glendale. When my parents moved here when I was like 9 or 10 years old, we lived a couple blocks away from Nicolay High School, which meant that Bayshore Shopping Center was the place that we went to shop. And when I was a kid, it was the place I went to hang out. Bayshore Shopping Center was uh, probably around a mile or so from where, where I grew up. And I can remember, like on Saturdays, my buddies and I, we'd ride our bikes to Bayshore. We'd walk to Bayshore. When I first moved here long, long time ago, Bayshore Shopping Center was a, a strip mall. It was an L-shaped strip mall. You had Sears at one end. You had um, Boston Store that was in the middle. And then on the other end of the L, you had, it was a grocery store. I want to say it was like Kroger's or something like that. So I have watched Bayshore Mall expand from that, that whole, the strip shopping center. I've watched it expand. I mean, there was the time where Indoor malls were big, so Bayshore went to essentially an, an indoor type of mall concept, and, and that worked for a little while, and then, then it ended up not working. And then you had the most recent iteration of Bayshore, which was about 10, 12, 13 years ago, where they went with the idea of, of let's have a town center concept. And what the idea was is we're going to preserve some of, of the old mall, 
But what we're going to do is we're going to expand around it, and we're going to have a number of shops and stores that are going to be outside of that. And we're going to have a little bit of a public area, and we're going to have apartments and things like that. Now, I want to acknowledge that back when when they started doing this, I want to say like 2003, 2004, I, I was skeptical of this and I because my concern was all right are are people are people going to shop at these stores in in the middle of of January and February are people going to go outside to shop and and because the conven- the idea of the mall was it it had the convenience well I, I the, here's the idea and here's the reality for a while Bayshore Shopping Center did very, very well. Bayshore Town Center did very, very well. Now, part of it was I think you had a number of unique stores. You have the Apple Store, which is still there. You had Barnes and Noble. Um, you had uh, William Sonoma. You had uh, Coach. You had uh, Brooks Brothers, which I believe is is still there as well. You had a number of stores that were really kind of unique to the area, and you had a number of very interesting restaurants that were there a- as well. And and I think for the first couple years, Bayshore Town Center was pretty much of a hit. Well, it's no secret that malls in general. Shopping centers in general have had a, a tough time. It's a tough time competing with the Internet and things like that. That hit Bayshore. And then you started, ended up seeing, well, the, the whole business problem. They had Sears on one end. Well, okay, we all know what's happened to Sears. They had a lot of space devoted to a sports authority. Well, sports authority went belly up. So that's gone. And so what you saw is this kind of chain reaction of more and more stores leaving Bayshore to the point that I don't want to say it's a ghost town. It's it's not Northridge at the end, but there's a lot of stuff that, that's gone. I went over there uh, to there's a there's a bar Louis that I'll stop off and have a beer at from time to time and I met a friend of mine a couple of weeks ago for a beer and it was kind of it was sort of sad to walk through at least the mall area because it's again I, I don't want to say it's a ghost town but it it's not what it was a few years ago now to make it worse the developer ended up not being able to make payments and kind of going belly up all right so. That leaves Bayshore in a bind. What are you going to do now, and how do you rebuild? And it's important for Glendale to try to make this work because Bayshore, you know, is in Glendale, and it's the lar- it is a large contributor to the Glendale tax base. So here's the latest plan. There's this company that has now come in and essentially bought bought the operation out of out of foreclosure. Their plan is, let's do away with the idea of of shopping. Not to say we're not going to have retail, because we are going to have retail and we are going to have restaurants, but that's not going to be as much of a focus. Their plan is essentially to tear down the remaining part of the the mall. Um, They're looking at perhaps putting an, uh, an office building that's going to be in there. They're looking at creating more space for retail stores and um, office tenants as well, Uh, plus some more apartments. They already have some apartments that are there now. I know a couple people who live in them, and actually they're quite quite nice. But the idea is to, okay, let's try to come up with a different concept. Now, here's here's the rub. For this to work, um, the Common Council in Glendale has to commit a substantial amount of public funds, $37 like million in one of these tax incremental financing districts. 
Now, in exchange, though, for coming up with the $37 million, the developer, they're going to pay off. They're going to pay off the $57 million that's still out there that otherwise would be a bad debt. Also, Glendale says, yeah, so we're going to get our debt paid off, and then, yeah, we're going to go into debt for $37 million, but we're only going to shell out that money as the development proceeds. So if they back out, they're not going to get the, get the dough. So that's where it stands now. I think the Common Council is going to be looking at it maybe today or the next couple of days or so. This is where Bayshore is. Our number is 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Let me cut through this all. Here, here I don't think Glendale has any choice. I mean, I think Glendale right now is in a position where they, they have to do something because if they don't make this commitment and the new developer backs out of this, well, then they, they've got tens of millions of dollars in, in bad debt that they're going to ha- have to eat, and you can't let this thing go under given the, it what's the phrase too big to fail so i'm not sure that the politicians in glendale have any real choice in the matter i think this is kind of like a lifeline that they have to try to to grasp so to me that's not the really interesting question because again they've got to do it my question and the more interesting one is will this concept succeed 414-799-1620 that's the accident mortgage talk and text line all right, will the idea of, all right, less retail, get rid of them all, let's build uh, the office building, let's try for tenants, let's try for more residential tenants, let's try to re-envision this as a town center for 2020 and beyond. Will that work? 414-799-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Again, it, to me, the question isn't, you know, should they jump on it? Because the reality is they don't have a choice. I mean, they don't have a choice. The big question, though, is, is this is this viable in 2020? Or are three or four years from now, are we going to be looking at, okay, we've made these investments, and this is going to fail as well? 414-799-1620. Can that area be turned around um, is there enough demand from people in the North Shore to, for example, you know, want to live there? Like I say, the apartments they have there now are 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 nice. I I have uh, somebody very close to me that you know they 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 live in the apartments. They like the area. They like the fact that you can just walk downstairs and take two steps, and you're at Trader Joe's, or you've got the coffee shop, and you've got you know all sorts of different restaurants that are still there. All right, will this work? 414-799-1620. Let's start with Tom in Greenfield. Tom, you're on WTMJ. Yeah, Jeff, I think that, you know, there's money around there, just like there is around, uh, 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 what do you call it, Mayfair and also Brookfield Square. And even if you lose stores and stuff like that or redesign it, uh, people will come. Southridge, you know, is, is out that way is kind mm-hmm. of dead. I think that Southridge will be gone in a few years. I think that there's no money out there. It's just a bunch of poor people that live around there that can't support the shopping center. But I think Bayshore, I think a, re, a re, uh, redevelopment or mm-hmm. rise of a, a new shopping center uh, concept-wise will probably put a lot of money and a lot of energy in it. Well, thanks for call time. I mean, I, mean, I guess here, here's... Here's my response to that. And I'm, I mean, actually, I think Southridge has done a reasonably decent job of hanging on. The problem is malls in general, 
are, are dying. I mean, that that's just when you look at all the malls that there were 25 years ago and the number of malls now, there's just a there's a dramatic decrease. I mean, if you want to look, if you're owning shopping centers, you want to look at where the money is now. It's, it's these strip shopping centers, you know, the, the, the little strip things that show up and that are all over the area where you've got five or six different stores in them. And, you know, they've typically maybe there's the exercise facility and there's the, you know, Jimmy John's or the Taco Bell that's in it. And maybe the haircut place, those type of things are doing okay because, again, the way they're structured is if one of the businesses goes under, well, okay, you can get another business in there relatively quickly and things like that, as opposed to these big malls, especially where they have the the high overheads. So, I mean, that's the challenge that Southridge has. I I think the challenge that Bayshore is going to have is, first of all, the the businesses that you're going to bring in, they have to be something unique. That's one of the things that I think really enhanced Bayshore Town Center in the beginning. They had stores that were attractive to people that had things that you could not get elsewhere. So that's that's an interest. What I am concerned about, like I say, they don't really, the way I see it, they don't have an option. They, they've got to they've got to do something. This is their lifeline. You got to see it work. I'm just I am questioning whether or not they're they're really a little bit too late to the party. Is there going to be enough demand in that area, not for the retail, because the retail is going to be a smaller component, but is there going to be enough demand? Are there going to be more people that want to, if they build new apartments, are there going to be more people that are going to want to move into those apartments? If you build an office building or a medical tower or whatever, who's going to populate that? Is there enough interest there to, to make that work? And I guess that's what my concern is. I don't know for sure the answer, but that's going to be the dependent thing. Are there a lot of people in the North Shore that, for example, empty nesters are deciding that, hey, I, I now want to I, I want to sell my house in Whitefish Bay and I want to move and, and live in an apartment at Bayshore. I know that wasn't me when I sold my house in Whitefish Bay, but that doesn't mean that there's not other people to do this. Let's talk to Mark in New Berlin. Mark, you're on WTMJ. That was my main worry, too, is, you know, with the downtown booming yep. around the Pfizer Forum, and that's the cool place to have the apartment. That's the cool place to have your business. <laughs> that's the place now. Right, and yeah. You know, so I'm scared these developers might jump ship over there. I don't know who the developer is. But, you know, as long as there's Amazon, we have to get away from the brick and mortar and yeah. try to do something. Yeah. Right, no, I right, and 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 the idea is you you need more of a mixed use sort of thing. The, the days of the old giant shopping malls that that they're just over, you know, like it or not, they're they're just over. So you have to come out, you know, with the new concept. I just again, my concern is is Glendale too late at the game, and um, I I hope I'm wrong because, like I say, Bayshore has been a huge part of my life since you know we moved here in 1967 or something. Yeah, yeah, and I think the people that sell their house in Whitefish Bay or Mequon. They're going to move down to the modern or whatever they call it downtown. I mean, well, there's they're that. They're not going to build right by an expressway. I mean, that they're well, going to do that. Or, or you move, or you move north, or you, you know, do what I did, for example, which is move into Ozaki County. Plus, keep in mind they're talking about that new. Um, they, they want to build you know, new new apartments up um, off of Brown Deer Road, right by the freeway. You know, there, right. there's all those plans that are out there as well. You've got Western Mequon that's building stuff and all. And, and again, I'm just, I'm wondering where the people are going to come from. And I don't mean to throw cold water on this. I'm just trying to be a realist here. They've got to try to do something, and I hope it works. 
Right, because the millennials they want to they want to be downtown. They don't even want to own a car. Yeah. No, no, no. Right. I mean, thank. No, you're. I mean, you're. You're right. And and it's not just the millennials. I mean, it's. I I have I have some friends who are. You know, who are boomer friends who have retired and they're, they, they got a place maybe in Arizona or they got a place in Florida. They don't need the big old house anymore. So what they're looking at doing is locating, all right, okay, you know, we're only going to be, if we're going to be here six months out of the year or whatever, do we want to be closer to the center of the action? And does that mean, do you want to move downtown or something like that? And, and that's, I think that's a reasonable question. You know, who is it that's going to move into these apartments? And like I say, the ones they've got now are are quite nice. I was very, very impressed the last time I was in them, which was a couple of weeks ago. So I was very, very impressed with that. But is there enough demand to keep the existing apartments filled and to fill new ones? I guess the jury's still out. But really, right now, Bayshore doesn't have a choice. This is Jeff Wagner. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. So very glad to have you with us. Well, the Milwaukee Common Council, perhaps to no surprise, they don't appear to be listening to us. They, the Common Council, wants to create incentives for public employees, that is, City of Milwaukee employees, to stay within the confines of the city. There's a new state law that says that you can't force people, you can't have residency rules, essentially. And what they found is that City of Milwaukee employees are essentially tripping over themselves since there aren't, isn't res- mandatory residence anymore to get out, of, get out of town. So the idea that the Common Council has come up with and just recently did is they approved an ordinance that will take City of Milwaukee employees who are living in the city and they'll give them an extra 3%. So you're going to get a pay raise of 3%. Okay, fine. I guess, and I guess I don't really have a problem with that, but let's be honest. If you really want to figure out how you keep city employees living in the city, a 3% bump is nothing. It's not going to do it. Let's take a city employee who makes, you know, $50,000 a year. Okay, you give them, you know, 3%, that's an extra $1,500, right? Sure, I think that's what my math is. So you give them that money. I mean, are, are you going to stay in the city for that? No. I mean, you, you're if you decide, gee, I, I want to, I want to get out of Milwaukee because I want to get away from MPS, or I want to get away from crime, or I want to get away from the high tax rate, you're, you're not going to be able to induce them to say simply by giving them three percent. So the money that you're going to be giving, well, it's going to be nice for the existing city employees, but it's not going to stop anybody from leaving. If you want to stop people from leaving, let's be honest. Why is it that they leave? Well, they leave because they're upset with the school system. Fix the school system. If they leave, it's because they're upset with the high level of taxes that they pay. Get the level of taxes under control. If they leave, it's because they're upset with the crime rate. Deal with crime. Instead of saying, okay, let's give people you know an extra $1,500 in my example, that's not going to keep them when they're ready to go anyways. Why don't you deal with the larger problems, which is why is it that the city employees want out in the first place? And you know, once you get a handle on the quality of life things, then it all changes. Just saying. This is Jeff Wagner. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Our number, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I think it was a bad thing yesterday 
the James Holzhauer, who was the Jeopardy phenom, I think it was a bad thing for the show that he lost because I think now interest is going to drop down from where it was. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right. Are you a Jeopardy fan? I know there's a lot of people that are out there. What did you think about the guy's run, and are you sorry that he lost? If you hadn't been tuning in, uh, James Holzhauer, who was young man who was a based out, he's was born in Illinois but he's he's based out of Las Vegas he's a he's a professional gambler um you know bets baseball and things like that he'd practiced jeopardy for a number of years he got on the show and he won um darn near 200 uh, two and a half million dollars um which he came $58,000 short he ended up short of the all-time record but, I mean, just had an incredible, an incredible run. He won 32 games in a row. During his entire run, he only got three questions on Jeopardy wrong. I admit that the, the word had leaked out, and these, these are pre-taped, right? So I, I don't know how long ago they taped the show, but these are pre-taped. But I do admit that I, the word got out yesterday that, hey, you know, he loses. And so, you know, over dinner last night, we had the TV on in the kitchen, and we ended up watching it and got beat by a woman who's a librarian from Illinois what really the the turning point to me was that this guy had had been very very successful first of all he was very very good knew the answers but he he would hit these daily doubles and he'd bet a ton of money on the daily doubles and he'd rack up huge amounts of money what happened yesterday is the woman he was playing against she got uh, the lion's share of the daily doubles and and she made a bunch of money on him and she had a lead going into final jeopardy and then she got the question right so his run has ended my question is is it good for the show or not i i think I think it's bad for the show simply because I, I think there were a lot of people tuning in to see if he would win again or not who love to see the streak. And, you know, whenever you have these people that are on the show for a long period of time, some people love him, some people hate him. I think more people really like this guy. I kind of like the guy. 414-799-1620. Steve in Germantown. Steve, you're first. Hello. Yeah, hello, Jeff. Uh, he's absolutely ruined Jeopardy for me. Okay. I was a huge Jeopardy fan, and then when they had that two-week hiatus for the teachers week, right. I was watching it, and I'm like, this is boring compared to the old when, when uh, James was on. Right. The difference being, normally in Jeopardy, for people who know how the game goes, normally people start out at the top. I'll take, you know, I'll take, you know, whatever the topic is for 200 and work their way down. He would jump all over the board, starting with the more expensive questions, trying to find daily doubles and things like that. So you think the the old style is, it, it, just, it just doesn't hold your attention anymore, huh? No, it doesn't. I, I, I'm crushed that he's gone because I, I I was loyal to Jeopardy for like at least twenty five years. So. Right, right. Well, it it will be interesting because you know, you, you know, there, there's going to be just kind of a, a let up because I'm, I'm sure there were a lot of casual Jeopardy fans who were tuning in once the word got out that this guy was racking up all this incredible money, and now that he's not on there anymore. Yeah, they'll probably say, okay, we'll step back. It is going to be interesting, though, you're right, to see if this changes the way the game is played. Nancy in Slinger. Nancy, you're on WTMJ. Hi, Jeff. Hi, Nancy. That's good of you to take my call. Um, I've been a Jeopardy fan forever, um, and especially watching James these last several weeks and months, and I think he threw the match last night. 
His wagers were not as typical as they have been in the past, and his puny wager for Final Jeopardy is what really did him in. Well, but you know, you, you know, I mean, he explained that. Uh, you know what what that what the bet was he was in second place going mm-hmm. into final jeopardy and and his right. calculation was he says okay he knows that the woman who won he knew that she was going to bet enough to kind of freeze him out um so he knew that if she got it right he wasn't going to be able to win because he couldn't match her bet. And he was saying his concern was, I want to make sure sh- I got to count on her getting it wrong, and I want to make sure I bet enough so that the guy's in third place. Even if he doubles up, I still have more money. At least that, that's what he explained, you know, as to why he did it. Now, so I didn't, I did not see that part of it, but yeah. and I will accept that since yeah. it's his. Yeah, that, that's what I mean. He, actually, it was a very calculated sort of thing. He, you know, I, I, I actually kind of respected it. He said, "No, I, I kind of did the math on this, and I was behind by two thousand or whatever, so I knew that she was going to bet more than I had. So even if I bet right. everything, I and she got the question right, I wouldn't have won. So my big concern was, what about the third place guy? If he gets it right, it was actually well thought out. Did you enjoy watching his run? I loved it, every minute of it. Are you going to be less likely to watch Jeopardy in the future with him gone? No, I'm an old lady, and it keeps me <laughs> hopping. I love to watch the show. Do you, do you get? Do you, I mean, do you play along at home? Yes, I do. Yeah, I mean, and, I do. And, and I've been very lucky lately. I oh. should, should maybe audition. Well, you know, it looks like it's a lot of fun. My problem is I'm very good in some categories, and I'm awful in others. You know, I'm like, like yeah, my wife and, was. And, but you do, you know, you learn something. Oh, yeah. Every, every program, you learn something. No, I mean, no, thank, thanks. For, no, it, it's interesting. Like last night, we're watching it, and, you know, my wife, God bless her, she's saying, you really, you're really smart. You know all this stuff. Well, they, I mean, one of the categories was like Nixon stuff. Well, okay, I, 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 I knew all of, all of those. And I said, yeah, I mean, I knew all of that stuff, and I could rattle them off. But, you know, then you get into some other stuff where I'm, I'm not as good at. I really respect the people that have that, that whole broad knowledge. Jeff, I love watching Jeopardy, but I was getting tired of watching James win all the time. It's interesting to watch other people win, and he had quite the run. He was smart, but he also figured out how to buzz in quickly, which I think resulted in him being able to answer first all the time. Yeah, that's the other trick. If you watch Jeopardy, there's a timing thing because you have to wait. They, they pop up the question. You have to wait until Alex Trebek finishes reading the question, and then you can buzz in. If you buzz in too soon, well, then you get locked out and other people go in. Now, at the same time, you also have to get the question right, and I think it is phenomenal just phenomenal that somebody could be on that show 33 games and all throughout 33 entire games not just one game 33 games only get three answers wrong i mean that's impressive 414-799-1620 kellyanne and oconomowoc kellyanne you're on wtmj hello hi what are you, are you a fan of jeopardy um, no well i was i wasn't and now i'm not again uh-huh. I, I enjoyed it when he was on he was entertaining and it made this so entertaining. Right. And I, I don't think I, I feel stupid when I watch the show because I don't know any of the answers. <laughs> so I don't like, I don't like to watch it. But it's fun to watch him because he, he didn't get any questions wrong. I mean, he. It, it, and, it was amazing, wasn't it? <laughs> and it's, I mean, it's a lot of useless information, yeah. but. But still, for somebody to have all that in their brain. Oh yeah, and, and be able, and be able to pull it up quickly. There was one question last night that I knew uh, it was. It was about a TV show. I knew the answer. I, I did. 
But mm-hmm. I, I just, I'm thinking if I was on TV and I had to do it with those lights, it, it took me a couple seconds to, to figure out to remember what the answer was. It would have yeah, been too and, late. And you have to buzz in. Yeah, right. I it, mean, it, there's, there's so much to remember. And I, he was just, he was entertaining. He mm-hmm. was phenomenal is what he was. Do you think you're less likely to watch it now moving forward? Yep. Yeah. yeah I think, well, unless I, somebody, unless somebody, unless that chick that won last night <laughs> gets all kinds of money, then I'll watch it again. But I don't. It's not fun if if you're made to feel stupid okay, watching well, the show. Oh, I feel like an idiot. Oh, don't know, Kelly. That's not the way to do it. You, you <laughs> should watch it. Like first of all, you should respect these people that have all this this useless and important information floating around in their head. First of all, you got to you got to respect that, uh, and then you got to say, oh, hey, I now now I've learned something. Like our last caller, I didn't know that, but now I I do. Now thanks for calling. I mean, I, I think. For me, I, I think he was really, really good for the game because I think he brought a lot of people in that would not have otherwise been in. Here's the question and the tough issue, which is now are those people going to leave or, oh, is this cool? Are they going to stick around? Unfortunately, I think a lot of them are going to leave. It's sort of like it's sort of like people who only play the lottery when it's $500 million. Like winning $150 million wouldn't be life-changing, but no, I, I wait till it gets to about $500 million. And Same sort of premise. Um, in any event, the guy had an absolutely great run, $2.5 million, and um, it's, so we're not going to have to have any yard sales for him. This is Jeff Wagner. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. So, Melissa, do you know who Front Row Amy is? I do know who Front Row Amy is, <laughs> right. yes. Front, front Row Amy, and I'm not going to ask Rue. Rue, of course, knows yeah. who Front Row Okay, Front Row Amy is the, the gal from, I think she lives in Oshkosh, who you, you see her um, at... A number of the Brewers games, right home, right behind home plate, yes. and she's always wearing the the low cut blouses. Would that be a fair description? Yes. Does she know that she's front row, Amy? Oh my God! Yeah, oh no, she's she, she's, she's, got a, she's got a website. Oh, she does have a website. Oh, row, oh I wasn't oh, yes. aware of that. Okay. Oh yes, yes, she's <laughs> no. got. A, no, I, <laughs> the reason we kind of went down this route is um, when when the Brewers were in. The, the playoffs against Los Angeles, yes. the National Championship mm-hmm. Series playoffs last year. I was in Las Vegas for the last couple of games. And so we're sitting in this bar watching the games, and we're with people from San Diego mm-hmm. and, and all, and they're all watching this, and they're going, who's the woman, you know, <laughs> right. that's kind of hanging out? I said, oh, that's front row Amy. What? And then they're they're checking it out. They're all, all these guys are like, oh, it's front row Amy and stuff. Okay. It's a thing. It, it's, yeah. yeah, well, yeah, okay. Um, so anyhow. I'm just, I have an acquaintance. We're really not friends, but we're acquaintances. And I know him through the beer. His name's Tom, and he's big in the beer community. And he does this thing where he goes out and he reviews all these beers and stuff like uh-huh. that. And I'm on the mailing list. So I just, I just, this just came in. I was reading it during your news. Well, I was listening to your news. The guy says that he's, he's knocking something off his bucket list tonight. He says, look for me on just about every pitch at the Brewers game, sitting in the front row right next to front row Amy. I'll be wearing the front row Tom shirt. <laughs> no, I love that. So he's, he's, he's going there. So this is his bucket list, to which I would say, well, oh, okay. He's got a I, small I, bucket I, list, right? Yeah. Exactly. You know, I'm trying to think of what – I'm not sure what's on my bucket list, but it, but it's not necessarily that. But, yeah, he'll he'll be there. Okay, so here's the other funny story. I, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be at the game tonight. I don't – 
I have a 20-pack of season tickets, and what mm. the Brewers do is once a year, if you get the 20-pack, they, they give you a free game. Tonight's like our free game, but they're not in our regular seats. We're kind of down the third baseline, so I'm not exactly sure where we're sitting. Gru thinks that they're okay seats, and that, that, that'll be fine, but I am going to be kind of checking that out. But, but here's the deal. Okay, coming up in a couple weeks, um, one uh, – um, I, I know I know a guy I actually do business with. It's Dave Spano. Okay, I, it's Dave Spano, Annex Wealth Management. <laughs> Dave has has front row seats to the Brewers game. Annex Wealth Management has them. I'm a client of Annex Wealth Management, and I've I've been busting Dave's chops for a while about how hey, I mean, I, I see you there, I see all these other people. Why don't you ever invite me? I'm a client and stuff. We're friends, and so finally he was like, okay, I, I just want to make you stop here. You, you have, have tickets to the game. Pick out a game. So I actually picked out the seats. So I've got these. These are front row seats. Nice. Now they're on the other side, and they're right by like where Mark Atanasio sits and all. But they're, they're for a game, not tonight, but they're for a game in a couple weeks. So I keep telling my wife, I said, okay, honey, this is your chance. You know, you can be front row Fran. <laughs> you know? Yes, yes. And she's, she's looking at me like, well, <laughs> said, if I, she said, I, I mean, I, I'm more than willing to be front row Fran, but I'm not going to, you know, he said, if, if you're expecting, you know, like, low cut shirt. She said, I'm going to wear my Brewer's sweatshirt like <laughs> I typically do and stuff. That's but cute. That would be it. So if you're watching the game tonight and you see this guy sitting next to the gal, and he's got a front row Tom shirt on. Well, he, he's kind of a beer aficionado. That's funny. Sort of big in the beer community. <laughs> What can you say? It is, I just so, looked up the website now. I hadn't. I never looked at the website before. Yeah, there is. front row, Amy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. No, and she's been. I mean, you know, it's it's like a little claim to fame. But honestly, goodness, you know, we're sitting in this in this bar in in the MGM Grand watching this game, and all these guys I'm with, and they're all from San Diego, going. Who's that woman there? <laughs> you know, and you're kind of like, oh, which women? Oh no, I know which women that you're talking one, about. Yeah. And I said, it's front row, Amy, and they were all just really front. And then they're all got their you know computers out, and they're they're all googling this, and they're like, oh, there is that. I said, yep, <laughs> yep, that's it. We've got the Crusher statue that's going to be unveiled at the end of the week, you know, at Crusher Fest, and we've got the Fonzie statue, and we got front row, Amy. It just makes you proud. All right, when we come back, we're going to uh, change the tone a little bit. Uh, we're going to talk about something that I try to avoid discussing too much, but that I word is back. Stick around. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Okay. I could have perhaps gone through my entire life without knowing this little piece of information. I get five texts during the break. Count them. One, two, three, four, five. Now, it's not surprising that the one, two, three, four, five texts are all about front row Amy. But, Gru, did you know that she has her own bobblehead doll? You did not. You did not. There is a front row Amy bobblehead. And I, I just, first of all, I didn't want to believe it, but yes, I, I've just seen it. For example, one of, one of the texters. Jeff, we bought my friend, an avid bobblehead baseball card collector, a front row Amy bobblehead last summer. It's his prized possession, and it's pretty awesome. <laughs> Great gift for any guy. Laugh out loud. Thanks for the show. That's Michelle and Appleton. And there, there, there is. There, there is a fr- Now, I don't think the Brewers have done that giveaway, and I'm looking at the bobblehead, and honestly, I'm not sure it does the lady justice. But, you know, it's just... <sighs> How come you and I don't have our own bobbleheads? You know, front row Amy has a bobblehead. You and I don't have our own bobbleheads, huh? Let's do it. Yeah, well, let's let's talk to Good Karma Brands or something. You know, that's that's do do those bobbleheads. I mean, I'm I'm on this talk radio like heavy hundred list or something. That should be good for something. 
Front row Amy has her own bobblehead. Hmm. Okay, well, well, that's good. I, I, I am going to have to look up my buddy Tom tonight. You know, if he's sitting, if you're watching it on TV and you see some old guy sitting next to her and he's got a front row Tom shirt on, that's one of the beer aficionados in Milwaukee. All right, let, let us, let us regear and get a little bit more serious. I admit there are some discussions which just make my head explode because it seems we go around and round in circles and and you can't find any agreement on them one of those issues is the i word it is impeachment and and this is there are people who do not believe that Donald Trump was legitimately elected and have been wanting to see him impeached from the beginning um, ever since the Robert Mueller investigation started, there were people that were saying, oh, the Mueller investigation is going to turn up these smoking guns and, and we're going to find that there was a conspiracy between Trump and the Russians and, and this is going to be a basis to impeach him. Well, well, that didn't work. So now you have the stuff out there on obstruction of, of justice, the idea that. Well, Donald Trump um, might have tried to interfere with the investigation, which ultimately found no criminal wrongdoing. Okay, so the the best way I could summarize this is that we have an election coming up in, okay, we're June, June, July, August, September, October, five months plus 12, 17 months from now. We, we have an election coming up. So the American people are going to decide whether they want to reelect Donald Trump or, or not. That's coming up in 17 months. You have a number of people out there who continue to be obsessed with with the great white whale. See, the, this is kind of like Moby Dick. I reread the book Moby Dick uh, about a month ago, and and there's you know and the the premise of Moby Dick is you've got the Captain Ahab who's searching the seas looking for the the great white whale. Well, there's a lot of people in politics right now that are looking for the great white whale from from the Democrats. The, the great white whale is we've got we got to take down Trump and, and we want to impeach him and we're willing to do all this. And for you know President Trump, the great white whale is the massive conspiracy that's out there to undermine his you know presidency and stuff. And and we're really at an impasse. The bottom line on impeachment is this. There are, should the Democrats who control the House of Representatives, should they want to float articles of impeachment, and should there be a party-line vote, there will be enough votes to return articles of impeachment against the president. The, sh- the scene then shifts to the Senate, where the Senate, you would need to impeach, that would be to impeach a president, remove him from office, you need 60, what, 66, 67 votes. Uh, there's 53 Republicans. I will tell you there is not, you know, there is no chance, absolutely no chance that Donald Trump will be impeached. It's just not going to happen. So you could have political theater. Over the course of the next 17 months, you could have the Democrats in the House of Representatives hold hearings, have one of the votes, return the votes, return the articles, and then you go over to the Senate. And it's it's not going to happen. I mean, you're not going to have impeachment. That is the reality that we all live with. So the question becomes, is it worth the effort? I was looking at a story today in the New York Times, and I read the New York Times so you don't have to. And And one of the columnists says that, well... It's time for the Democrats in Congress essentially to get off their butts and start the impeachment process. And her conclusion is, even though it's not going to go anywhere, 
ultimately. You've got to do it because it's what the rank-and-file Democrats want. They hate Donald Trump. They can't stand Donald Trump. They sent Democrats to Congress to remove Donald Trump, and so now they've got to do it. Our number is 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, I, I just I want to give you my honest opinion on this. I, I love political theater as well as, as the next guy. But the idea of spending the next six to eight months with Washington paralyzed, spinning its wheels on an impeachment proceeding that at the end of the day is going absolutely nowhere, that makes my head want to explode. I, I, I want us to figure out the trade problems with China. I want us to figure out how to get nukes out of the hands of the crazy people around the world who might be moving closer to that. I want to figure out how we can keep Social Security alive, not just for me, but for my producer, Gru. That's what I want elected officials spending their time on. But more and more, Democratic legislators are saying, hey, when we go to the town halls, when we go back and talk about our to our constituents, they are telling us, we want you to impeach this president. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. How do you want to see us spend the next six to eight months trying to remove President Trump in, in what is going to be a futile effort? It, it just, it's, that's just the reality. It isn't going to happen. It's not going to happen. But should we spend the next six to eight months going through this, more investigations, more testimony, going through a lot of the grounds that the Mueller report um, uh, uncovered just to end up with this result? Or is it time to move on? 414-799-1620. Again, keeping in mind that we've got an election coming up in 17 months. Where do we go from here? And I guess my hope is it's not down this impeachment route. What do you think? We discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. 414-799-1620. That's a number if you want to join us. This is Jeff Wagner. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. More and more Democratic politicians are saying, well, we've been hesitant on impeachment, but we're going back to our district. We're talking to our voters. And they're saying, when are you going to impeach this guy? Well, the election is coming up in 17 months. Impeachment is going nowhere. President Trump is not going to be removed. All right. Do we go through this exercise anyways? Let's start with Mary in Thienesville. Hi, Mary. Hi. I am so tired and so are my friends with all the crabbing and the bickering that's been going on for over two years. Donald Trump won fair and square, and we spent millions of dollars that could have been of use to the people to help with the Social Security, help with the health problems that we mm-hmm. have. But no, we got to throw the money into the Mueller investigation. That got a big fat zero, and now they're not happy with the zero. So let's spend some more money in this impeachment foolishness. 
that, that is ultimately going nowhere. I mean, you just it's going uh, right. Um, thanks for calling. I mean, see, the, this is the frustration that that I have, and I I I understand. I'm not, I don't even want to get in one political side or the other, but I'm just telling you this reality. It's going nowhere. So if the Democrats decide to launch this in the House of Representatives, you will have you know you'll you'll have show hearings for thirty or sixty days, and what they're going to do is they will be you know fodder and red meat for the people who already want to uh, uh, impeach Donald. Trump and remove him from office, and it will galvanize the opposition who will think this is just a waste of time and a waste of money, and then it'll go over the Senate and it won't go anywhere, and we'll be sitting there several months from now back in the same situation that we're in. If you want to remove Donald Trump from office, people are going to have a chance to do that before you know it. I mean, a year and a half or less is nothing in politics. 414-799-1620 is the number. Here's a text. Jeff, I want Congress to move on and do what we elect them to do solve the problems that you named and others end this nonsense now 414-799-1620 let's talk to dave in waukesha dave you're on wtmj hey jeff how you doing real well thank you okay impeachment what do you think well i think it's 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 really kind of a lost cause because number one like you said for the bunch of reasons they're not gonna be able to get it through anyway and i think everybody's tired of it in fact you know everybody's tired of it and i don't really care what political stripe you are they're just tired of hearing about it. You know, it's just... Right, right. Well, the, like the hardcore, right, the, the hardcore Democrat part partisans can't stand Trump, and they, they want him out. They're Captain Ahab. They're chasing Moby Dick. And it, it's like, okay, let, let's do this. And, and even if we know it's not going anywhere, we, we have to do this. All right, to which my response would be, why? <laughs> why? Well, yeah, that's just it. You know, I mean, the whole thing is, is A, it costs money. B, nothing's getting done. C... I mean, politicians yeah. already have a lower rating than lawyers. You know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, so, I mean, it's just, at some point, it's kind of like, you know what? There's got to be a growing up in the room somewhere. Well, well right. I and mean, thanks. And again, we're, 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 we're nearing an election. And, and look, I mean, here, here's the bottom line. This isn't like it's Watergate. I mean, this is it's a very tenuous sort of thing. I mean, I. I question, and I understand there's federal prosecutors said we would have indicted him. Well, maybe you would indict him. I don't think you would have ever been able to secure a conviction based on this for a wide variety of reasons. But the bottom line is you're not going to be able to remove Donald Trump from office. Here's, see, here's part of the point. Kevin sends me a text. Jeff, I'm a Republican. I did not vote for Trump for several different reasons. But one sure way to get me to vote for Trump in 2020 would be for Democrats to hold impeachment hearings. The Democrats do this at their own peril. Ask the Wisconsin Democrats how well the recall of Wall Walker worked out. Yeah, you know, that's a very good point. People forget, and we, we forget early. But I mean, I understand Scott Walker gets elected in November of 2010. There's a huge outcry, you know, after he rolls out Act 10 and stuff like that. You get all the people that are storming the state capitol, things like that. Well, there were a lot of senior Democratic officials who were saying, we don't want to do a recall. Recall, it's going to lose, and what it's going to do is it's going to make Scott Walker stronger. But you know, there was all this pressure from the activist wing of the Democratic Party in Wisconsin and the outside union groups and stuff. So you go ahead with a recall, and and Walker wins, and he ends up, you know, cruising to reelection in 2014. And arguably, if he hadn't made that ill-considered decision to run for president in you know um, 2015, he would have probably been reelected again. But you put all that together and I, I just I, I just I don't see where impeachment gets us. I really do 
hope that you can get Republicans and Democrats can come together and at least find some common ground on certain things. Can we fix all the health care problems? No. But there should be stuff along the edges that you can come with up to an agreement with. Same thing true with economic stuff. Same thing true with you know border control things. There's still time to get stuff done before we have presidential elections if people want to do it. Back for more, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Wow, this is interesting breaking news. Scott Peterson, um, if the name sounds familiar, he was the, the Broward County Sheriff's Deputy who was on duty at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School. That's the, the Parkland shooting. Um, and he, he was the like the school liaison type of, of officer. And if you will recall, there was a bunch of controversy as to where he was and, and what he did while the shooting w- was going on. And it was a it, it was a question of and we talked about it at the time. And it was one of the questions I had, which was, you know, where was this guy and why? Why wasn't he confronting the, the shooters? He kind of hung back, et cetera, et cetera. And I don't want to go into the details again, but you, it was a very controversial thing. And some people were defending him, saying, "Well, no, you, you couldn't expect him to. You couldn't expect him to, you know, go and confront the shooter. It was perfectly reasonable to lay back and wait." Well, anyhow, I mean, here's the deal. And this is just a breaking story. He today was fired by the Broward, Broward County Sheriff's Office, and he's been arrested and charged with crimes for his actions during and after the shooting at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School. Um, there's been there's a new sheriff um, who's investigating the deputies to determine what they did with the shooting, which was February 14th of 2018, complied with their standards. Um, they announced the termination. He and another one of the officers had been fired. He'd then been arrested. He was arrested as a result of a 15-month investigation into his actions. He's been charged with seven counts of neglect of a child and three counts of culpable negligence and one count of perjury. The investigation, I'm quoting from the thing, says that former Deputy Peterson did absolutely nothing to mitigate mitigate the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas shooting that killed 17 children, teachers and staff, and injured 17. There can be no excuse for his complete inaction and no question that his inaction cost lives. Um, so then it goes on, but this is just, I mean, hot off the, the presses. They say that, you know, he was a school resource officer during the shooting. Their investigation showed that he refused to investigate the source of the gunshots, retreated during the shooting, active shooting while victims were being shot and directed other law enforcement officers who arrived on the scene to remain 500 feet away from the building. Never like to use the word cowardly. And I think we talked about that a year ago when, when this, when this happened, but clearly they don't use the word cowardly, but clearly the investigation found that, well, they say he, he, didn't investigate the gunshots, retreated during the active shooting while victims were being shot, and directed other law enforcement officers who arrived to remain away from the building, which they believe had the effect of costing the lives of kids. So be interesting to see how that all plays out. But that's a breaking story. The officer who, at best, was not very aggressive in trying to 
investigate and or stop the school shooting. He's now been fired, not just fired, but charged with a criminal event. Okay, so true story. I, I, I just and I, I'm, I'm as guilty of of using of ordering stuff on the internet as the next person is because basically, when it, when it comes to shopping, and my wife will tell you this, I hate to shop for stuff. I just I don't like to do it. I've never liked to do it. But secondly, it, it's just I, I find shopping on the internet to be easy. If I if I'm reading a, a review, a book review, and they say, hey, there's this new book out, and it looks intriguing, well, I've got two different options. What I can do is I can, all right, I can say, okay, make a mental note, gee, I, I want to get Gru's new book. And then I can get in my car, I can drive to the bookstore, and I can hope to find whether Gru's new book is out, um, or I can, like, order it, and they'll call me up. So you, you can do that. Or... I can go over to my den, I can get on the computer, I can go on Amazon, I can put in Gru's new book, what it's like to produce a talk show, and I can order it, and, you know, it ends up getting delivered. So I, I admit I'm lazy, but that's that's how I do it. It's just too easy for me. So this is a true story. Um, on Saturday, there was... There was, I was reading a a review in like the Wall Street Journal or something, and there was a book that sounded interesting to me. So I go on Amazon and I say, okay, I I want, I I order the book. Book is in stock. Also, I was out of razor blades. I was down to my last Gillette Atra razor blade. So I'm thinking, well, and see, buying razor blades in stores nowadays is a pain in the butt because people shoplift them. And so, you know, the, the razor blades, like the stores I go to, they're, they're like locked up. It's almost like you got to put down a credit card and stuff to get the razor blades. So it's a pain in the butt. So I'm on the, I'm on the internet and I, I've just, I'm on Amazon and I've ordered the book. And then I'm thinking, okay, I need razor blades. So I type in the type of razor blade. It comes up. It's a good price. I order the razor blades. So then I go to check out and it says, now this is Saturday. It says, would you like, and I'm, I'm in Amazon Prime, so it's free delivery. Would you like free next day delivery? Now, the next day is Sunday. And I'm thinking, huh, Sunday. They're going to deliver this stuff on Sunday. Well, why not? I mean, it's free. Why not get it the next day? So I hit yes. And I'm thinking, this is never going to work out. And darned if Sunday afternoon, the dog doesn't start barking because somebody, you know, they're, they're delivering. The book comes the next day. The razor blades come. To which my wife is saying, you, you ordered razor blades over the Internet? And I said, well, it's a long story. But, yeah, but I, I got them. They, got, they delivered them the next day. And this is a Sunday. Now, if you are of a certain age, you will remember when stores, most stores were closed on Sunday. I mean, you, you just, you, your shopping centers were closed. Yeah, you'd have the occasional you know, drugstore and convenience store or something that would be open. But as a general rule, clo- stores were closed on Sunday. Well, now we're at a point where, I mean, they're delivering my Amazon packages on, on Sunday, on the next day delivery. Now, I bring this up because there was another story in the Wall Street Journal. FedEx has just announced that starting in January, they are going to be delivering packages seven days a week. Seven days a week. Um, this is, of course, consistent with, I mean, Amazon is already, and I'm living proof of this, they're already delivering packages seven days a week a- as well. And this now appears to be the trend. United Parcel Service 
has shifted to a six-day work week. But um, that's what they're doing. Meanwhile, the Postal Service is considering expanding delivery to seven days a week. The Postal Service currently delivers packages on Sunday for Amazon.com. That must have been what I had. Um, And for other shoppers during the holidays. But now the trend is seven days a week. So, you know, if you're able to get next day delivery, you buy it on Saturday, it comes to you on Sunday. Our number, 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Is this something that is important to you? Is this now where we've gotten? How important would Sunday delivery be? Because apparently a lot of these package delivery services have now reached the point of saying, this is what we got to do. 414 799 do you need it on Sunday, or is this kind of an extravagance that the companies didn't need, don't need to bother with, or is this just something that's competitive? That hey, you know, if I order it on Saturday and it's eligible for next day delivery, I want it the next day. Are we in that much of a rush? Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. This is Jeff Wagner. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I have to tell you, this I think you're seeing a sea change that's going on now. Just like back in the day, you had a number of stores which were closed on Sundays. And then once stores started opening up, and once one store did it, other stores had to do it. I think this is is the trend, and I'm talking about seven-day delivery. If you're just tuning in, telling the story about how on Saturday I, I, I was intrigued, saw a book, uh, wanted to order the book, and then needed some razor blades, ordered the razor blades, did it online. They asked me if I wanted next-day delivery. I'm thinking the next day is a Sunday, but it's free. I belong to Amazon Prime, so I said, sure, I'll take it. And, and darned if the stuff didn't show up on Sunday afternoon. And then I come across the story about how FedEx has decided that this is going to be their business model moving forward. So starting after the holidays, they're they're going to be delivering packages seven days a week. Uh, the Postal Service already has limited seven-day delivery for packages from Amazon Prime, from Amazon.com. I, I think this is the way of the future. And I will tell you, once people get used to next-day delivery, I'm not sure I understand how they ever go back. All right, let's go to a couple texts. Our number, by the way, 414-799-1620. Is, is this an important selling point to you? And will this make it even less likely that people will end up, you know, going to stores? All right, Lon and Brown Deer texts. Jeff, I ordered something via Amazon Prime. They delivered it the next day. The next day, by the way, was Memorial Day. I couldn't believe it. Yeah, there, Sundays and holidays doesn't make any difference at all. Chuck says, Jeff, I remember in the late 60s and early 70s, my mom saying on Saturday, do I need any gas or something from the store because they're closed tomorrow? No more. Jeff, what a timely discussion. I sent a package to my sister in Minnesota that was scheduled to be delivered on May 30th through the United States Postal Service. She received the package yesterday, and then items were damaged. I spent three hours of my life this morning trying to figure out where the items in the package went. Needless to say, I'm going to be using the UPS store from now 
on. Um, geez. Okay, Justin says, I often use same-day and Sunday packages from Amazon when offered. The irony, I used to work for a now-defunct retailer who was advised years ago by high-paid consultants that consumers wouldn't pay for quick shipping and that Amazon wasn't a danger to them because they just sold books. How narrow-minded and short-signal-sighted could you be? Um, absolutely. Trevor and Cedarberg says, what you're talking about, Jeff, is capitalism at its finest. I think it's awesome. Um, 414-799-1620. Paul in New Berlin. Paul, you're in WTMJ. Hey, how are you? Real well, thank you, sir. I'm actually just finishing a uh, shift for uh, delivering for Amazon. Okay. My wife and I are semi-retired, and uh, it's supply and demand. It's, it's You know, Amazon really sells a membership like Costco sells a membership. Right. And it's easy to push a button, and it's like, you know what? It's going to be here the next day. People need to work, and people do work on weekends. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a good time, part-time income. Well, yeah, and and from the perspective of a consumer, um, for example, you you want the stuff when you want the stuff, and maybe you're not going to be home on on Monday afternoon. Um, you know, if there's going to be a delivery, if you live in apartments or stuff, and you don't want it to be left, well, okay, if, if they deliver on Sunday afternoon, you got a greater chance that you're going to be home. No, it's it's serving. I think it's serving a need that's out there. No, it absolutely is. I actually am an Amazon Prime member as well, and I have a tablet pen for my computer and it broke and it's a very expensive pen they had it to me within two hours and yeah I continue working yeah i don't you know it, it's the thing that's amazing to me paul is is where how you can how they can do it i mean i'm thinking okay i i, I can't imagine what the the supply centers look like that you could get a, a book and razor blades to my house in ozaki county you know in, in less than 24 hours well, I'll tell you what, it's all AI. I mean, I don't even have a boss to report to. I go to the warehouse, I pick up a three-hour block, two-hour block, whatever I want to work that day. There's a cart that wheels out. I put the stuff in my car. It's all mapped out, and it tells me where to go, and I'm done in, you know, the three-hour time, and then I go home or go wherever I want. How how big of a route do you, I mean, how big a route do you have? I assume you have a... An assigned area, for example, they're not they're not sending you to Muskego and they're not sending you out to to West Bend and then you know over to Fond du Lac, right? Do you mean do you have a defined area? Actually, not. You don't know until you get into the warehouse. And if you have a three hour block, it's based on the time you leave the warehouse to your first stop, and then the last stop. I've been out to Watertown. I've been to Johnson Creek, uh, Key Wascom. I live in New Berlin, but. I never know where I'm going, and right now, today, I'm out in Oconomowoc and, and Hartford, and I love the country. Okay, so it, am I correct then that it might since it's so you sign up for three hours, and it it might be that some in some three hour shifts, if a lot of the deliveries are, are kind of bunched together, it might be that you're delivering to twenty houses, whereas other places, if they're apart, like you got to drive to different places, maybe you're only going to have five or six deliveries. Is that what I'm understanding? Exactly. Yep. Interesting business model. Oh, thank, thanks for the call. I appreciate it. And I guess it's, um, huh. I, and I guess it, I mean, and for guy, I mean, that's going to be the real challenge is where are you going to get the drivers? But I mean, I, I understand for a guy, you know, like Paul or something and you're semi retired and you're like, well, I got some time on my hands and I, I want to make a little bit of extra money. I mean, that's going to be, that's going to be the big challenge, which is, you know, how do you, 
how do you do this and how do you you service people like that um okay let's see uh, sometimes here's a text i have sometimes received parts the same day from amazon including sundays for weekend do-it-yourself projects. All right, now Vel makes the other point, though. She says, hello, just like having the stores open on Thanksgiving Day, when will we rest? Well, I I guess my answer to that would be, again, this is all supply and demand driven. If you don't want packages delivered on Sundays, well, then, then, you know, you, you don't, you don't take advantage of the next day delivery. You don't have to do that. And if you don't want to do what Paul says, you don't want to sign up for a shift on a Sunday, well, then you don't have to sign up for the shift on a Sunday. Now, that I guess that becomes the issue. But I do think this is one of these things that now that you've opened the door for this, I, I don't know how you're going to end up closing. And I do have to say, it was kind of a, it was sort of like a cool thing. I'm like, really? I'm going to get this book? And I did, did, could I have waited till Monday or Tuesday? Absolutely. But it's like, oh, this is kind of cool. And it worked out when we come back. Speaking of working out, we're going to find out what John McCure and Melissa Barkley have on their minds. Stick around.